Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, Hufflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright. And with me today, as always, is Leander the incredible. Oh, thank you. I'm well, so sorry. Well, you know, it's I was it's it, with the, with the zoom with the zoom lag. It was probably the right the right time anyway. So also, but. like I was closing my eyes like a fool. Um, Leander Nati Lewis <laughs> Nyao, also, also known as Onati. <laughs> also known as. I don't know what's happening. I've noticed. Today. I've noticed that I each time you say your name, it's gotten it's gotten faster and faster to the point where yeah. it is now impossible for someone who doesn't already know your name to understand what your actual name is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's you just you're not actually but everybody calls you. You calls me Unati. You're actively you're you're actually retroactively me, teaching me like you're unlearning your name for me. Yes, like, making, that's how bad it's getting. You're making it impossible for anyone to call you anything other than Unati because that's the only <laughs> word they can understand. I know that's what I'm trying to do so that people don't try to call me Leander because it happens all the time at work. <laughs> like my name is Unati. <laughs> <laughs> why you, well, actually, can you explain to us why your name is Unati, but your name is also Luyanda? Because it, uh, it appears to be Luyanda. Yeah, it, my first How name that is L- L- Luyanda, but my second name is Unati. My mum gave me my first name, Luyanda, but my grandmother named me Unati, and I was raised by my grandmother until I was 11. So it stuck. So my grand called oh, me Unati yeah. forever, and then my parents just called me Unati. No one calls me Luyanda except for people who pay me money. Okay. <laughs> I guess why didn't you swap the names then? Um, birth certificate, passports, you know, legal documents. Well, yeah. Would it, yeah. Oh, I was yeah, like fine. even before you left South Africa. I feel, is it is it difficult to get like a name Ooh, change? Home affairs. <laughs> no, you do not want to go to South African home affairs. You'll be there for like it would take month. It would take years. It, it, no, you, the okay. stress. So you'd, be, you'd still be there. I'm triggered. What, is what I'm, I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unati would still be there. Yeah. Oh, in the queue. Recording recording uh, <laughs> podcasts from the South African. She home would never office. have met you. Yeah. She would never. Yeah. Uh, made it to yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. and I'm pretty okay. sure there's someone else on this uh, this episode with us as well. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, I've been talking this whole time, but I, I'm still on this Unati issue. I have one more question. He's not letting. Go. I one more question. <laughs> yeah. No, I really want to understand this. So, yeah. why in just a in just a I feel like colloquial is the wrong word, but it might be the right word. It, in just a colloquial sense, do you not introduce yourself as Unati Louis Nyao, and just don't even mention that your first name, like Luyanda, is there. I don't know. If like, you don't want, if you actively don't want people to call you by that name, why, why would you tell them the name at all? Because my I question. Because ha- <laughs> I've had to adopt it because it's my stage name. It's my whole actor name. So like, oh, why looking- did you do that? Uh... <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> 
trying to understand the logic of if you only want to be called one thing, why would you ever tell anyone so, to call you something I don't else? Know, it was so a weird, like, self-identifying thing. And, like, I Do was you think like, there were a lot of Unati hey. Lewis Nyawos in the UK already? So that No, you no. I was just kind of like, if they, 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 they must say my whole name. I just wanted them to say the whole name. Like, say it with your chest. I don't care whether you, if you employ me, you must say the whole thing. Like, okay. all letters. Okay, and then, so you're and trying then, to have your cake become, and eat it, too. Yeah, and then now it's become cumbersome. <laughs> yes, you brought this on yourself. Yes, I brought it on myself. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I'm, I'm with you, Nazi, here. The, like, end of drama school is a crazy and confusing time. <laughs> Ain't no one thinking straight here. Like, you just, you just want to get through it. Like, just, I don't know. Just take I, the whole thing. I guess yeah. in my case, I never wanted anyone to call me Jeremy Marcus Cobb. By the way, my middle name is Marcus. Yeah. Um, so I just said Jeremy Cobb. Because I guess there were no other Jeremy Cobbs there. Yeah. But maybe I had it easy because I enjoyed being called by my legal first name. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just trying to think if I if I didn't want somebody, to, if I wanted somebody to call me Marcus, I feel like I would have just made my stage name Marcus Cobb. Yeah. And then like maybe J Marcus Cobb. Yeah. Like it's like a, you know, like then I sound like an author. But... <laughs> 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 but like J. Marcus, Marcus Cobb. Look, it does it has a really good ring to it though. I mean I, the thing is I also I also really like the name Luyanda. It's just that you'll have to go Luyanda Luyanda to get me to respond. So if you're my mm. friend, you need to call me Unati. Otherwise, my brain's not there. Like if I'm at work yeah. and I'm on set or something yeah. and someone goes Luyanda, I'm clinging to it. But if I'm yeah. around people I know, then right. you're gonna be saying my name four times before I go, huh? Oh, you mean yeah. me? Yes, yes, uh, I'm Leandi, yeah. yes, yes. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird thing. Thank you, thank you for humoring me and explaining that. N- no uh, problem, you have, my guy. You have, you have illuminated my entire day. Um, as Jasper was as Jasper was saying, uh, there is another person here. It's me. Hi, I'm Jeremy <laughs> Cobb, also known as Jeremy Marcus Cobb, though I don't think anyone has ever tried. Well, hardly anyone has ever actually called me Jeremy Marcus Cobb. Um mm-hmm. Although a lot of people have called me Marcus because I had an afro when I was younger and my dad also had an afro when you, he yeah. was younger. Yes, I've told you, you, that I think before. You, yeah. yeah, I think you did. I remember you saying this on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very annoying because he did. He had that afro in like 1976. <laughs> <So these> people <laughs> are calling me Marcus. You weren't even like, a thought at this point. Like it's yeah, a, it 30, a 30 plus years late. Anyway, yeah. um, my name is Jeremy Cobb, but Rod Salm or Salm, I hope I'm saying your name right, Rod. Calls me me to the J. <laughs> me to the J. <laughs> Yo. Yes. Uh, so before we dive into this week's episode, uh, I have a special <laughs> shout out to our mutual friend, uh, the amazing Jonathan Childs, who has uh, come on board to write us some music, some special uh, TB Halflings exclusive music. We have a theme song, everyone. And can, so... we, can we say hit it, Johnny? Before every before we start the, gonna, hit it, <laughs> Johnny, hit it, Johnny. Uh, I think we'll have to we'll absolutely have to incorporate this. So, uh, Jeremy, why don't you go ahead and give us a hit it, Johnny, hit it, Johnny. Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! 
bitches and bitches. Lands in the cusp of a peace move oh, no. on a nat 20. No. You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it. Yeah. We're about to get into something real big now. God, you guys, okay. I just love it. Okay. Okay. Oh, when that drops at the end, man, <laughs> it moves my into my there soul. Are two, there are two awesome bass drops in that song. Yeah, it is so good. It is so, okay, so good. Wow. Uh, I really wish you halflings could have seen that. We just had like a full jam uh, on, <laughs> on Zoom together listening to that. Uh, it is so good. Uh, so massive shout out to Johnny. Thank you so much for the music. Uh, there'll be a link to where you can find any more of Johnny's stuff uh, in the episodes. Um, uh, if he has anything uh, to be found. Um, but yeah, we, uh, I love, love this so much. Johnny's uh, great. So oh, Johnny actually, great. Johnny, those of you who... Well, those of you who are not patrons won't know this, but Johnny was on our our Christmas episode. He was. He was indeed yes. on our Christmas Christmas special. He was. Um, he was awesome. He was indeed awesome. Uh, as is that music? Our music. We have theme music, guys. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> um, that was great. Yeah, it's it's so it's so the right vibe of the show. Like it just feels like it's it's silly, but it's kind of a bit cool. Like I feel like that's the naughty part of the show, you know. Like, uh, and then and then just the drop at the end just just makes me forget all of my worries and cares, and I just want to I just want to get down as low as possible, you know. It's, it's so good. It's so so good. Um, so this uh, week uh, we thought we would do a sort of a bit of a continuation of uh, a previous episode <clears throat> where we were discussing uh, a recent Wired article in response to Tasha's Cauldron of Everything because uh, we got some great community response. It uh, triggered a lot of uh, very interesting conversation over our Discord, uh, and so uh, and plus also we just ended thinking actually there was so much more that we could dive into uh, with mm. that within regards to that uh, particular subject and uh, so that we thought we would do that today um i've got a few comments that i'd like to read out from the discord but i don't know if anyone has any opening comments that they would like to throw out anything they feel like they missed from the uh previous episode uh or i can go ahead with with these comments i say well go sorry go ahead no um, no Leanna. i was about to say the same thing i said let's hear from the peoples yeah let's hear from the people mm. <clears throat> thanks Leandra, Unati. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the first, the first uh, comment, uh, is from Judd, uh, big shout out to Judd, who's very active on our Discord, uh, thank you, thank you uh, for that, and also has a podcast called Daydreaming About Dragons, oh, uh, so go ahead and check that out, Halflings, but, um, Judd says, um, that he wondered how many Romani, Romani people were involved in the creation of Strahd. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is big enough company to find someone uh, to do some consulting work or writing, uh, even if it means gutting out the adventure idea or starting from scratch and not including the Romani analogs at all. If diversity is a foundational element of the company and its creative process, they could have started from there and not have to gut anything. And I think this is a perfectly justified comment. I think, <laughs> uh, actually, if you're going to do something steeped in cultural um, sort of history, real world history, mm -hmm. uh, then I think much in the same way that, you know, Alan has done with Wagadu, it is 
genuinely so thought out, so researched. Mm-hmm. Con- you know, I know that he's spoken to, you know, from him coming on our show and spoken to so many people about and getting as mm. close to the truth as possible. Mm. But I completely, I think this is a perfectly valid thing from, from Judd. I think this is a very different, Curse of is a very different example, I think, to other... Mm. Well, because it's ex- it's explicitly, it's explicitly drawn from very from... specific groups. Yes, yeah. yes. And, yeah. uh, and I think that I have to agree in the sense that I think that is a big um, a big thing, especially for Wizards going forward. That mm. It just feels like that just has to be a standard, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, that, that they go to those specific people. And again, you know, we don't know for sure, as John alludes to in that, we don't know how many people were involved, but you would sort of... Um, it would be interesting to know that fact, uh, how many people were involved. Yeah. yeah. You know what also... Romani, specifically. You know what also is interesting? The the entire idea of... Like, because the, the Romani connection to this entire story... I mean, obviously, yes, part of it's Dracula, but the whole connection is through Vlad the Impaler, yeah. right? Yeah. Who is, as I understand it, considered a cultural hero in that part of the world. Uh, and is generally like the, I, the, the he was not called a vampire to my knowledge until until um until Bram Stoker wrote Dracula in the, in like 1892 or something mm-hmm. like it was there were obviously vampires that existed in literature and there were vampire legends and traditions and mm-hmm. he had been criticized by some of his enemies um mm. for what but he was like he was a national hero and as i understand it people from that region don't really take too kindly to the book dracula in the first place uh sure. i once read that it's similar to somebody making abraham lincoln out to be a werewolf like somebody from another country mm-hmm. just being like yeah he was actually a monster it's i like, did really what? enjoy abraham lincoln vampire hunter though yeah, but, I mean, at least he's but, the hunter. He's yeah, a hunter there. He's, he's, not know, the he's, not, he's not the, the monster, monster itself. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, I understand your point. I, I hear you. He, yeah, he's yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the the Dracula thing, even the name. Apparently, I, I did a little bit more research, and Vlad the Impaler actually referred to himself as Vlad Dracula, which is, <laughs> I think, Vlad son of the dragon, because his father called himself Vlad il Dracul, which I think is Vlad the dragon. And so he's mm. Vlad, the son of the dragon. Um, so that's where the name comes from. Mm. Uh, so mm. that's, that's I think, how people knew who they were drawing from, or who Bram Stoker was drawing from. So here's my question. If, if you're, if you're mm. going to then translate this, this story, which, uh, this story, which is already maybe not super popular, I don't know, but if you're going to translate that into like a fantasy setting and try and be culturally sensitive, mm. wh- wh- how would you go about... <clears throat> doing that if the story you're kind of drawing from is already considered insensitive by some of the people who whose culture appears in it. You mean exactly like they did with like D&D in the first place with Lord of the Rings? <laughs> but yeah, I <laughs> know, I get your point. <laughs> yeah. Um no, well, I'm I think set up with Bram Stoker. I mean, I feel like I mean, I don't think he knew anything. Case. I don't think he knew that his book was going to get that popular. Like, I yeah. feel like it was just like a, I think he tried to write a cool story and then yeah. it turned into like the Ur vampire story. Yeah. Yeah. That upon it, cult- it, it basically turned into, it, it turned into a cultural touchstone. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It turned into like, a, a, it's, I would say it's like up there with like, you know, the legend of Arthur in terms of like, if you're mm-hmm. going to think of yeah. like classic monsters and sort of mythos, you think of, Dracula. you know, 
Dracula. Dracula. When was the original Curse, Curse of Strahd I'm published? I'm looking that right? up right now. Because 1983. I... Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Okay. Sure. okay. Well, there that's we go. when just... that's when Strahd. That's when the Ravenloft module was released in Strahd okay, cool. von Zarevich as a character. First okay. Appeared. Cool. Because huh. I because I think what we kind of find ourselves a little bit like we find ourselves in this really strange thing where we've got all these things that we love, right? Mm. And like we love D and D, but then there's all these problematic things inside of it, and there's been problematic things inside of it for, for a very very long time. But I think what might I'm not and I'm not and I'm in no one's defense here. I'm just thinking out loud. What might be difficult is that there was a period of time not too long ago, like less than like 25 years ago where the same kind of sensitive, like the conversations about cultural sensitivity that we're having were just non-existent. Yes. So things like, things like, you know, even beginning to pick up on the fact that Bram Stoker's Dracula is a problematic text would not even be considered. Especially not mid-Cold War. This is like, we're talking about an Eastern European thing in the middle of the Cold War. Yeah, 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 And it's an American company. Like, they're not going to be considering that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So my, I guess, you know, the original um, Curse of Strahd aside as a thing, there ends that point. But then I guess my thing is why bother to repurpose Curse of Strahd Mm. again at all? Because it was not? hugely popular and acclaimed. Oh, oh so so the answer is money. Okay. Yeah, well, well, also because they liked it. I think it's. Yeah. I think <clears throat> part of it is that it probably was money. But mm. most people who have played Curse of Strahd are not even if they're aware of the original game, they've never played it because it's for um, advanced D and D. It's for like I think it came out for either first or second edition. Okay, like cool. it's old school and. Yeah. I think it was literally like, hey, we, a lot of us grew up playing this module. Mm. We think it's great. We want to (laughs) update it for like a modern audience because we think there's a lot. It's a really, like, it's a horror setting that you don't really get with D&D. Like, it's a very different Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm. Um, So I think that would probably be why. Actually, I was just thinking about it more. And I feel like Strahd von Zarevich is much more, he he is kind of like to Count Dracula, to what Count Dracula might have been to Vlad the Impaler. Although Vlad, obviously Dracula's much farther from the real life Vlad the Impaler, but like, yes. it's not a one-to-one. Yeah. So I yeah, feel no, like no, at no. that point, there's also that question. It's like, well, we're actually basing it on a thing that was based on something else. We're mm. not even, it's not even a direct thing there. It, you're not even, it's like, it's also omitting most of the book. If you've ever read yeah, Dracula, yeah, yeah, yeah. most of Dracula yeah. doesn't even take place in Transylvania. It takes place in London, I the think. London, yeah. yeah. So they, they don't go there till the end of the book. So it's it's kind of its own. I have I have decided that I'm okay with them having produced it <laughs> over the course of this conversation. <laughs> sure, that's good. But, it's, it's gross. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but I do it. think that I still do think that they should have depicted the the people's. The, specifically the Vistani, uh, in a more in a more sympathetic light, in a in a much less stereotypical light. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. no, absolutely. That that I hundred percent agree with. I, and I guess I agree with you one hundred percent on that. I guess I, I I agree with you in the sense that I I don't necessarily have the problem with them redoing it. Uh, you know, I'll fess up to ignorance that I didn't know it was made that long ago, like the the original version. So I'm like, okay, fair enough. That's obviously not like okay but we you know know that was from a very different time etc i think the issue then that i have is then you're doing curse of strad you're doing uh this you know mm-hmm. uh re 
uh, you're redoing it and you're trying to make it a bit more kind of appropriate for a modern audience, then that's where I kind of then go like, how do we then still make mistakes? Like that seems crazy to me. Yeah. If you're making something with the explicit purpose of making it suitable for a modern audience, how do we still then fall into the same pitfalls that I'm sure people must have been pointing out for the last, what, 30 years at this point uh, since this thing came out. Like, that seems kind of wild to me, you know? I don't think they were pointing it out until more recently. No, That's no, but sure. Thing. But I said, I feel like it would have been a part of that conversation recently, right? Maybe, like but I don't, been... I think that the reason that they made those mistakes is because that wasn't a consideration. Because the game's diversity has increased so drastically sure. in just even the last five years yeah mm. really the last five years is where it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah yeah that's yeah, what yeah. i was trying to get at at like like the timelines of like when we've actually started getting more exactly sensitive. let me see when curse of straw the module was released because i think it came out relatively early in the new in the it, like after 5e was released yeah, sure. um because straw did pop up in in later editions of the game he yeah he he debuted in first edition. Um, there was a Ravenloft two for second edition. Third edition they did a Ravenloft campaign setting. Uh, so Strahd was also in that. There was also a third edition stat block for Strahd back in mm. two thousand and four. Uh, two thousand ten he made his board game debut debut for fourth edition. Fifth edition Curse of Strahd. Oh, you Monty. really can't kill. Strahd. Strahd. Like he, yeah. he, 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 came out, he came out in March of 2016. And I think fifth edition was released like less than a year earlier. Mm. Let me, let me look this up. I think that you, I think just whilst you're doing that, though, I do think you've hit like the nail on the head. I think when a lot of the, the struggles of, uh, wizards of the coast specifically and where where i i i'm really on board for some of the criticism they get uh, at times and then and then not at other times and i think the one area where i am sympathetic is that i think the culture a the cultural shift that we have gone through in the last few years has been i think on a scale unlike anything we've probably uh, ever had before <laughs> whether it be um yeah. kind of like uh the place for women in uh in society let alone like fantasy realms uh then the place for gender then the place for like a uh, race and and then generally just like the uh, the place of sensitivity and sort of inclusion mm. like i think that coupled with the game getting about a bajillion times more popular overnight like mm. yeah. do you know what i mean like because i mean when we're talking about something that's existed for you know was it like 40 50 odd years now okay i think i think it was released in 1976 was like the was first edition so yeah so uh 50 going on going on um almost 50 Five? years almost 50 years uh, well, well not almost so 50 years but more than 40 years more than, yeah uh um and i think that so yeah if you're talking about something that's nearly 50 years old then five years is is a small fraction of do you know what I mean that the time that it's been around and so that yeah. my one sort of um uh the one that sympathy i have for them is that they're like the the gear shift they are going through right now trying to kind of keep pace mm. uh is is huge is absolutely huge mm. um and fifth edition came out by the way in august well the player's handbook was officially released in august of 2014 okay so it Strahd was not one of the first modules released, but it was released a year and a half later. Yeah. Sure. No, so it must have been in development with well within a year of the yeah. game having been yeah. released. Yeah. 
I mean, I hear your point. I hear your point, uh, Jasper. Like they are, they are navigating through a gear shift. But then again, just to like jump back to the article again, just the thing that really, really made me quite sad was then to have people who you would consider uh, consultants of some mm. description um, mm. coming in and experience and having difficult experiences in the establishment because mm. then you're still making the thing difficult because the only mm. way to make it better and the only way to make it more diverse is to bring more of those people in as we've established over yes. and over and over and over again on the show. Yes. So then I'm like, well, you know, because when it comes to diversity, like I'm kind of getting tired of being told, it ha- you know, it has to be like baby steps. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, I'm exactly the same. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. hear you. I understand that from a practical point of view. I understand that from like how... But have you seen run. a long jump? It's possible. It's possible, right? <laughs> like, you, you can't just... You, can, you can't just do just it. <laughs> boots of striding and springing, let's go. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Stop hanging about. Like at some point, like... Uh, like you know, talk to your board of directors, put aside a chunk of change and just do the damn thing. Like This, this is, the, yeah, I, I agree. I, I went in prep for this today. I kept on going back to the one thing, which was just that I think that there needs to be a, uh, a concerted effort now from Wizards of the Coast to uh, not just rely on sort of like, you know, word of mouth, which obviously is growing the game, but probably within sort of certain circles, et cetera, but to actually target and look to bring in not just to their own company, but to the community as a whole, uh, a more diverse range of people. Because until the sort of the uh, you know angry white cisgender base of this game becomes a, a, a minority, we're never going to realistically we're never going to get anywhere because they're still going to be paying the money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And whilst it's still making money, they're going to have an obligation to do that. And so the best solution here is, is to bring more people into the game, allow the cultural, allow the cultural shift within the community to happen so that actually it feels like you can say some of the things that like we're saying out in the open and not get an angry mob. You know, we're still very lucky in virtue of how small we are as a show mm-hmm. in that we don't yet have people coming after us because we're saying some of these things. If Matt Mercer or you know, uh, someone like that was to turn around and say some of the things we said on the show, the torrent of abuse he would get would be insane. And there is no safety mm. for these people that are kind of in this community doing that. There's no kind of way of handling that because, I mean, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, social media and everything like that. But mm. there's not a there's not a way to safeguard these people. And so I do think that as much as obviously it's about making money, et cetera, that mm. Wizards has like a certain responsibility at least to decide what it wants its fan base to look like do you know what i mean what it what it wants its community to look like um and if they're serious about diversity then they have to start putting their putting some uh some money in and i and you know i think there's there's definitely been efforts uh Mm. to do so uh but to diversify not just the people that work there because i completely agree with your point you know i see they Mm. have to get that right Mm. now like no more like that has to be the last story we hear. Do you know what I mean? I'm tired like, like of it's it, just man. I'm so tired. unacceptable. It's boring. I'm, I'm bored. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, because and that's and that's and that's I think that is the the the, the crux of the problem is that yeah. a lot of people are there. A lot of people are tired. Mm-hmm. You know, you've only got to go back and listen to the Black AF uh, like roundtable. Mm-hmm. It was there was just a lot of very exhausted people who are you know in the minority of trying desperately to to kind of get through and make uh these things more accessible to yeah. people yeah. um and yeah anyway 
that was uh, a long-winded answer. But <laughs> um, I have a question. Do you, I feel like the wizards would have to also take. I think. I think that the angry portion of the original mainstream D and D fan base is relatively small in yeah. comparison to most. I don't think that most of the original white cis male fan base is angry. I think it's like a vocal sure. minority. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, um, I'm I'm just trying to go through in my mind because I, I'm thinking economically. So say if Wizards were to be like, we are completely gear changing on Dungeons and Dragons, and it is now becoming a game that is specifically aimed at people who are not white or which is not what you're advocating, mm, but yeah. it is it is a potential interpretation of what you're advocating. It is certainly how some white cis males would interpret what you're saying. Sure. They, they, they are some, cause some people will think that any move towards diversity is a move to exclude them, which I no. think is unfounded, but <laughs> yeah, the, the, I think that, I think that simply because wizards, wiz- I think what we're saying is wizards doesn't actually have to do that. Wizards does not have to be like, no, we no. are not, we are no <laughs> yeah. longer making ca- everybody in this game. There are no white people in this game anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Wagadu now. Also, no one speaks English here. There's yeah. No English. No, no European English. languages no. are spoken. In fact, in this there's game. actually no one from this planet. <laughs> yeah. uh, but for some reason, or anything they all either speak. Mandarin, uh, Hindi, any number of like, like oh, all, yeah, just so many different languages. Swati, Swahili, uh, just everything not, else. just not anything European. <laughs> like, yeah, we're nobody's Nothing saying that. European. But I think that I think th- I think all of us are saying they could have done more because, like, mm-hmm. even what even what we're t- talking about with them having issues with the employees. I really like that. Honestly, just sounds like a normal corporation trying to struggle and try struggling to diversify itself. Well, that is its whole goal, isn't? Yeah, it's and I they a hundred like that's not yeah. to say that it's not to excuse it in any way because it the norm think, in this case is bad. Like, you I think it, be better than that. I think if anything, it just feels it almost feels like it just feels surprising and disappointing in the sense that, like, uh, obviously, I know big corporations will always, you know, have uh, for the last however long struggled with its exact problem. Uh, And so, I, you know, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's surprising in that regard. But I do think that generally people who tend to work in things like video games with them being sort of a newer, um, Mm. uh, you know, um, get more alternative People, yeah, it's a newer course. industry. Uh, it's a tra- you know, it's it's a, an attractive industry for uh, young people, mm. uh, people who tend to I think err on the side of uh, more creative thinking, just because that's the way the world is going. We're going less away from automated, uh, from like this sort of you know hand labor towards a more creative, you know, critical thinking. Mm. I think that's just the way that a lot of industries tend to go, and so it just seems surprising and disappointing that that's still happening. I mean... at even a, a, a you know a company like that, and everyone's. You know, I think we said this in the last episode that everyone's experience is obviously different. You know, you can't like yeah. just sort of quantifiably say everyone at Wizards of the Coast who is of color has a horrible time. Yeah. You know, like I don't think. I'm sure at least one of them's had a good time. Exactly. Yeah, probably, I'm sure someone. Yeah. Probably you know, somebody. There's like an intern. <laughs> Just yeah, having a really good time. Yeah, just yeah. having a living their best life. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, you're 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 kind. I know you're. I know in like in the sort of like practical sense, you're you are selling books, um, and and merchandise, but you are selling magic, 
and make-believe mm. and fantasy and friendship and storytelling and it just really breaks my heart when then when then you don't also have that in your office it makes me sad Mm. Yeah. And I think my worry then is that it's not that it sets a, an example, but it's like if you're not if you're not strict with yourselves about mm. something like that, then how can you expect your community to be? Mm. You know, yeah. like you have to reflect the absolute apex of what you want your community to be. Mm. And the community will never be what we all want it to be, which is just a, a supportive place where everyone can go off and play their own version of Dungeons and Dragons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That like everyone gets their own little slice of, 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 of fantasy that they can shape and mold into any way they feel comfortable at their table and have a great time. Mm. Uh, and then hopefully come to a non-toxic platform uh, and talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In a way that they're not going to get abuse or they're not going to get, you know, it's not going to be a struggle. Yeah. And so that's that's with a big issue, you know. Aside from the individual uh, point of view, because of, of which is, of course is horrible, and people say yeah. you should come first. But that's the then the bigger cultural issue that I think it has is that if you don't reflect that as like, um, as like this is a, a a huge a huge blundering mistake, then how could you expect your community to be, you know, yeah, all kind yeah. of s- s- I, sunshine and rainbows? <laughs> I I haven't read the entire Strahd module, but from what I'm hearing about the criticisms, the specific criticisms of that module it seems like fixing it wouldn't have been that hard Mm-mm. like because it seems like the main criticism is these people are depicted very stereotypically and they're all evil mm. so surely the answer is to lessen the negative stereotypes if not eliminating them entirely and then introduce some good people like yeah. that that's surely yeah. the whole that would pretty much address the issue because people aren't going to be mad that some of them are bad because you have the excuse that Strahd is corrupting everything there so all you mm. need is a group of people who are like fighting against that or trying to you know rise mm. like well I, actually like it's funny uh we're so i'm i'm playing uh i'm doing a curse of Strahd, uh ironically with uh me and jade are playing uh a thing where she's playing as buffy summers in, hashtag we know uh, you're there jade hashtag we know you're there um and uh, the the big thing for me was just like I just diversified the Vistani. I didn't make them all Romani. I just I was like the Vistani in this game are going to be a collective group of people who have basically got lost in the mists and have formed a community who mm-hmm. you know still travel, still hold like uh, some of that tradition, but they are not explicitly of one race or one peoples. Mm-hmm. They are. It is a diverse range of people. Some of them are very good and believe in what they're doing and believing in trying to take down this thing and free the people. Other people are like, man, do you know what? If Strahd pays me a buck, then I'm in, mm. you know? So like that felt like such an easy fix. Like I don't even think I consciously did fix it. I think I was just like, <laughs> that, that works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and I think that it, it just, that's where I think my frustration comes is that I go, well, surely, Surely if, and that's kind of what I guess what I meant about when, you know, uh, when it was then, then redone yeah. uh, is, is about like, surely then if we've had those conversations, uh, it, surely if, if it's like a conversation between two people who are generally in the sort of right headspace to be, you know, doing this, surely you're going to come to somewhere like that, you know? Um, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. I'm this not saying it's I'd easy. Love, yeah, that's why, this it's, is why I would love to talk to somebody who was involved in mm. the creation of this particular uh, adventure book, because I like, because as we're sitting here, it sounds very straightforward and very, very mm. doable. Mm. And I would love to hear from 
those people, whether they attempted to do that, but ran into other issues. Like what was, what, what exactly was it just that I can, I can accept, especially in the initial printing of this book, that it just wasn't really much of a consideration, (laughs) but when they went back to try and fix it, what were like the, with the intention mm, of trying mm, to fix it. So, yeah, that's what gives, my guy. What gives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like if you go if you if you if your car is not working and you're like this needs fixing and then you leave one of the wheels off but still drive it out the garage. I'm like, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I mean? What fixed? It's not fixed yet. Like, and 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 I think this is something generally that wizards probably does need to get a little bit better at, which is just like. Drive the car back into the garage and carry on. Carry on working. Put it in, like, throw it in like, put no, the like, wheel back on. <laughs> no, but I, I mean it. Like, back and, and I, because as, as, as hard as that is, yeah. I think that yeah. it is better to uh, better to do that mm. than to just leave it out there and pretend like it's got four wheels. Mm. You know, yeah. like that's yeah. my issue is that it kind of it's still out there and they're selling like Strad revamped with a new box and a new thing <laughs> and Strad and revamped. Yeah, and so that's my own issue. I'm just like, just just have another month with it. Do you know what I mean? Have a, another couple months with it. Get some people on board. Have a conversation, and then when you do this big reprint, this rig, you know, with a new fancy box and the new fancy dice, just change some of the stuff that's in it. Like, it doesn't seem... And that was, like, the last year? Strahd revamped was, like, last year? It yeah, came I out, I think, in fall well, like, of last year, yeah. Yeah, so, like, if you're going to reprint the whole book I mean, if, not... with the new fancy art and all this stuff, then just, maybe just... just, just co- You know some of those notes you made on the side? Like, fix this? <laughs> maybe just, just go and do that, you know? Correct me if I'm wrong. We don't, like, print things off, like, plates anymore. We, it, it's, just, it's a pity... <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a file. It's a JPEG. No now. no 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 no. No, Jeremy it's movable type. They use movable type. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy Crawford has to go in and individually place out like replace each, each letter. letter. Yeah, like it's a it's a real it's a the actually the original orc description is like it's it's on sale. <laughs> you can buy that plate. He has permanent <laughs> ink like, stains on I'm his just, fingers. I'm just checking <laughs> because it sounds it feels like it's a very difficult task, and I just I just want to make sure. <laughs> We just want yeah. to clarify this. But it's just That's why I really want to talk photo. to this. Like, because I can understand messing up when you initially make something. Even if you're trying mm. to do something in a sensitive way, mm. you mess something up. But once people tell you what the issue is, it I feel yeah. like it's it's unless it's something that's just fundamentally this is bad. We can't use broken. it anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I don't think most people are saying that. Like, surely you can just go back and make a change or two obviously with something like D, where it's like published in a book they'd have to in order for them to like release a new edition of the book is a whole thing sure but they can release ua or like yeah. um, they re- they re- this headgum podcast is brought to you by aura frames that is right uh from grandmothers to new mothers aunts even the friends of your life every mom loves an aura frame holy shit even aunts yes especially aunts oh well because it was named the best digital photo frame by wire cutter and selected as one of oprah's favorite things i mean these aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages i believe it you have an aura frame don't you yes i actually more than believe it i know it Uh, i've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. 
Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code HEADGUM at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Release errata all the time. Like Mm. Jeremy Crawford publishes online. They release errata for like... Constantly. Uh, yeah, explaining what certain wordings in the rules mean. Mm. Uh, I think in some cases, even changing minor things about spells. Trying exactly. To and, 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 and like stuff like that, I think is like, if you're doing a big mass reprint of a thing, that's the question. Like, like yeah. if you're doing a big mass reprint of this. a thing, why not just change some of the few things that, that need to change it? the problem. Yeah, you, you didn't know? address any of the problems. <laughs> um, well, speaking of reprints, actually, this probably takes us quite honestly onto a, the next uh, community uh, thing that we had uh, uh, submitted. Uh, <laughs> this is this is from CC the Wizard. Um, mm. Great name, CC the Wizard. Uh, CC the Wizard says, uh, "I think it's going to be hard to change the law and keep people happy, but it is doable. I think that Butteries, uh, in brackets, Jeremy's suggestion, mm. uh, that the next edition comes with a time jump on the Forgotten Realms, and that the new history explains the difference in stereotypes of races that we know." I like the idea, but I like that idea. But old school players, especially those reading the books set in the Forgotten Realms for the last thirty years, probably wouldn't like that. I wonder whether it's better to do uh, to demote uh, Forgotten Realms uh, from the de facto de- uh, uh, campaign setting uh, in the new edition with the new edition starter set of rules, that which are obviously um, Adventure League, etc. Uh, uh, defaulting to a new diverse setting uh, with the player's handbook and monster manual being updated to remove damaging language. I think this would be a huge step forward. And then they basically go on to say that perhaps a five, a 5.5 E uh, would be better than a sixth, a sixth edition so that you could basically make all the things that uh, the five edition stuff, that's really good. Like I'm kind of, that's still kind of almost like backwards compatible. They sort of, uh, that's what CC goes on to say about sort of making uh, the next edition sort of uh, compatible with the previous edition, but sort of unfucking some of it, basically. Yeah, like, like, fucking all of those knots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think that's a, I think that's a, yeah. that's a, you know, it's a really interesting point. The idea we can just kind of have a bit of a clean break and move into something that is just, uh, because it, 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 it eliminates this issue of like, oh well, you know, what about 
you know, orcs have been warring in this land for thousands of years. Well, okay, well, okay, fine. If you can't, if you really can't change that, let's just go somewhere else. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the excuse, I, I, first of all, I want to say I agree with CC the wizard's point that the an existing like mainstream D&D fan base who have been following the Forgotten Realms for so long would probably not respond very kindly to just being like, okay, so we're just going to skip that now and move on. <laughs> yeah. um, it reminds me of when, I think it was when DC Comics rebooted themselves back for with like final crisis or whatever or no 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 it was it was new 52 i think mm-hmm. back when they did that for they've rebooted themselves so many times but anyway <laughs> the fans again right now or, or especially when when the, during the spider-man clone saga taking it back to the 90s baby uh during the <laughs> spider-man clone saga when they revealed that peter parker had been a clone the whole time and that ben riley was actually the original peter parker and the, it was supposed to be like this cool twist but unfortunately the fans at the time were very personally offended that they, they spider-man stories that they had been following since like 1979 mm. because i think that was the last time we'd seen a spider-man clone was like 19 it was in like the 70s mm. when he was fighting the jackal um it was around the same time the punisher first appeared actually mm. uh but anyway because the punisher was originally a spider-man villain but i'm getting sidetracked people got <laughs> upset that all those stories that they'd spent all that money on and spent all that time being emotionally and psychologically invested in were now like yeah but that wasn't even the real spider-man uh, we're mm-hmm. tossing all that out. It, it didn't really matter. Like, I get where people yeah. would be like, well, but I have spent so many, I spent hundreds of dollars. I've been mm-hmm. a fan of this for 15, 20, 30 years. And now you're telling I mean, me that, like, I, I can see where it. I can, I, I see <laughs> where that would be personally frustrating because they feel like they've invested a bunch of stuff in a company mm-hmm. and the company's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, that stuff you cared about doesn't really matter. Uh, we're doing this now. <laughs> you are no longer our preferred client base. We're not moving on. Like, I see where they that would be an issue. And I see... I don't know if I think I think a 5.5 E is the answer, but I mm. think that I think rather than simply shunting Forgotten Realms, which is what it sounded like CC the Wizard was suggesting instead of just skip, time skipping, just shunting Forgotten Realms kind of to the side entirely and saying that it still exists, but it's no longer the main setting. I think what it may be is it's already built in that a lot of these races are evil because their deities are evil. Mm, right. Mm. That's like the excuse. So like the orcs are evil because of Grumsh. And yeah, so on and so forth. The drow because of Lolf and just, yeah. just introduce like a new deity and say, give oh, him a couple. Why not give him a couple of deities? So there's a choice. Yeah, there's a <laughs> you know? yeah. Oh, sorry. Turns out there was another orc deity. Now maybe there's even another war that happened, and, mm. and Grumsh got cut in half. And now there's like good Grumsh and bad Grumsh. Uh, and like there's grumpy Grumsh. There's yeah, grumpy Aww. Grumsh and <laughs> grumpy good Grumsh. Grumsh. There's grumpy Grumsh. <laughs> the He's just called the Grumsh. Grumsh. Now. He's just called the Grumsh. The Grumsh. Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think uh, just Oscar to clarify, I think CC's uh, point was. Uh, potentially that if you did a 5.5 the idea would be you introduce a new sort of place for like a default uh, setting for 5.5 that right. runs along with 5e but it's just sort of slightly you know we, we unpick okay, yeah. a lot of that stuff it, it, it would be so, like an alternate but it would be like basically setting the moving the forgotten realms out of the main yeah, out of the spotlight being, but it's and, still yeah. backwards compatible so that no one I'm, feels like they've lost it That's right like and what i'm suggesting is just change the forgotten realms but have it be sure. like within universe have it be like mm-hmm. yeah there's a, even if you wanted even if you want to have that idea of a separate separate setting that suddenly encroaches on this setting and you have 
because I oh what was it in the Greek pantheon? I think there were like stories that 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 the the Egyptian deities were originally Greek deities who had moved like who had moved or something. I forget mm-hmm. in one of those story mythologies that it, they like acknowledged other pantheons as their gods who had just kind of gone to another place and changed their names. Mm-hmm. Um, why not just be like yeah, there's another world th- that has its own deities and these deities have kind of come over in here and brought with them some changes and now you have good orcs you have smart orcs you have you have very humble and well you have very like humble and selfless goblins who just love they're very generous and they're also very mm-hmm. wealthy uh because you know they have very wise business practices and are like mm-hmm. just kind people you have like a bunch of very like monastic a drow who just it's like an abbey who just love mm-hmm. to throw big feasts for people and like they're like obviously like you just have a wider array of different types of people mm. uh, you could i well, feel like you could introduce that in the forgotten realms as like a new thing that just exists alongside the existing yeah. groups yeah mm. and i think that it's 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 about a sort of slight cultural shift i think of not thinking about it as like a collection of peoples but just almost like small communities do you know what i mean i think that would be yeah. a better way of acknowledging things so you just go like assign areas of the world which are more do you know what i mean and so like uh and you can absolutely make it that there's certain species that aren't found in that area of the world and there are some that you know are you don't have to you know have to have every species in every area of the world and yeah. because you know that's absolutely again like not what we're saying but if you could to just find a uh, a way of just shifting it so you go oh like this is a community of um uh, of people that tend to work more with their hands and uh it happens to be predominantly elvish do you know what i mean and suddenly you go oh but you know you've already then forced a perspective change instead of prescribing like oh you are this which means this because i think that we've all we can all agree that no matter where you are um uh, born or, or uh, well, so no matter what sort of lineage you come from, if you're born into a completely different culture, do you know what I mean? If you are mm-hmm. a, uh, if you come from a long line of African people, but then you are born in like, you know, in snowy Mexico Canada or, or Canada. something, do you know what I mean? You're going to be a completely different person. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe there'd be some uh, genetic hangover. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, from like in terms of your skin, etc. like in the color of, you know, your skin or whatever and whatever, but like, Otherwise, culturally, what informs your decisions, how yeah. you act, uh, uh, your, you know, the, the sort of mental side the of everything. stuff every, that makes like, you, you. Exactly. is going to be completely different. So I think that there needs to be a cultural change to stop thinking about it as species, but more about like community. Yeah. Mm. I yeah. think would be a more useful yeah. word potentially to use. And then yeah. perhaps in this 5.5e, instead of assigning, so you could assign a species, but then maybe, uh, like I said, I think in the last one, and maybe this is me, this, this is sort of the, a, a sort of better idea um is that you would assign a instead of assigning just like a generic background you assign yourself a community so like you say like you have to think about realistic like where did you grow up like what was your social structure like where you grew up mm-hmm. it can absolutely be that you were born in like the pits of some hellish you know mordor type place Known and you vein. are do you know Known what i mean vein. Yeah, like it, it could be, it, it can absolutely be that. But, um, but I think making people think more in that perspective is going to stop a lot of this sort of Shining, very yeah. 
just generics. Like, yeah. and I don't think anyone want. We don't want generic anymore. Like, no, players are after that like richness now. It's why yeah. I think some of the stuff in Tashes is so good because it's like it's just giving us more options. Mm. You know, it's just giving us more flexibility, which is what you want. And I, uh, so yeah, I'm gonna say my big thing. We should get rid of backgrounds and add in communities. You hear mm. me, Jeremy Crawford? <laughs> Community backgrounds, yeah. yeah. Community I backgrounds. Also, I'm, I'm wondering if tying everything so much to what your deities are like mm. is really the best mm. way to do... Because that's, that's the easiest way to end up with, yep, sorry, all of these people are evil just because that's their deity. Just because. Yeah. Yeah, and that that should be more. It should that should be more of a again a community basis. So like, if you're in a cult, then you're probably a you know erring mm. on the side of being a bad. Like you know, if you're in a, a cult of a particularly bad god, um, yeah. then you know yeah. You're if you're like gonna be a super funda- if you're a super fundamentalist Ladaguer follower, you're yes. probably not a great person. But yes. you can still be in fa- like you can still be like a stoic person who believes that you need to be you know orderly and work hard and you know you can believe in those principles but not be like hardcore lot of follower and like we must enslave everybody yeah. like even even within modern religions you will see a, a sliding scale of people 100%. who are either super fundamentalist and what's really interesting is even among the fundamentalists they'll often believe in different parts mm-hmm. of the religion uh <laughs> yeah. more strongly but you'll have some people who are like way on one end you have other people who are like super liberal on the other end are just like yeah we take a couple of things here and there here's another question then do we think that and i feel like i'm getting off of topic but i just find this really interesting do we yeah, think that D and the, the D deities ooh, the D deities that's fun. D and D American accent in an American accent. D and D deities are overly single minded because in their in their descriptions in, on Forgotten Realms, they tend to be very much like they believe in this, they believe in this, they believe in this, and believe in this. Like these are the things that these are the tenets of these people. If you are somebody who professes to follow them but don't follow one of these tenets, you run the risk of being like the gods smiting you. Yeah, uh, or like removing or your power, like or yeah. doing, if you're like a you know if you, if they're like a patron of yours, or yes. you know, if you're a paladin or a cleric mm-hmm. or a whatever. Whereas like other religions, you'll have like aspects of deities. So it'll be like these, like for instance, with Garrix, the Fire Lord, who's like this draconic god of destruction through flames. So mm-hmm. there are some people who are just like, we want to blow stuff up because that's what <laughs> Garrix is all about, baby. But then you'll have other people who are like, we want to blow stuff up so new stuff can grow in its place because you can't have renewal without destruction, baby. And so yep. like it becomes... It's a different so place. It's it, a different place to be. Those are different. Those are, but theoretically, both of those, I could imagine both of those groups being followers of Garrix yeah. and getting power from Garrix. Mm. So, and that's, and there's, that's two completely different. And you could probably go even farther with a lot of that. Well, I think the the one of the potentially one of the issues is the way we talk about it in D and D is like roll a history check, get an at twenty. Here is a book on this very accurate telling of what this god is about. Like, there's there's not this like degradation of of information in D and D in the sense that like the law is the law, um, and Grumpsh is a bad person who did this at this date and that happened and this happened. So whereas with actual gods in the real world it's about interpretation it's about feeling it's about expression and do you know what i mean it's Mm. it's not this like binary thing and i so what i would say to you is that i think that what potentially would be useful 
is elevating certain gods. And I've, I've done a little bit of this in my own campaign, elevating certain gods to like a, a, a level of like what we would consider like God. Do you know what I mean? Almost like an omni- a Judeo-Christian God. Yeah, like an omniscient, omnipotent. I yeah, all-knowing, all-knowing is omniscient. All-knowing, all, all, all powerful is omnipotent. Sure. So, like that kind of level, right? And then below that, you have these sort of very fallible, very kind of um, you know ha- embodying aspects of human emotion, etc. Mm-hmm. Almost like demigods. So we Which kind of is get... actually what you get in Tolkien. Funny enough. Ex- yeah, exactly. <laughs> so because that's yeah, exactly. If you uh, listen to like uh, if you or if you've read the Silmarillion, like that's a, that's the the whole of that book is, yeah. is is just is talking about the a lot of drama of these you know, of yeah so much drama so much very dry very dry drama <laughs> i mean like i it's uh, if i ever can't sleep i put the silmarillion audiobook on and i'm like, <laughs> like so i'm like it's like you know hey i've got no criticism against anyone that likes that book but man it is like this is basically like the this is like Nat Geo's approach to fantasy. It is like this is here are some facts, and it's like this is such a weird way to write a fantasy book. <laughs> like yeah. it's so weird for me that it, I mean it's you know a lot of the stuff is amazing and you know but it's an I'm encyclopedia like, more so. Like, it is, it's like it's, it's just telling that. you what or like a it's, new, just, it's like a news report like or just it, a description of the histories. It, it really is. It's a documentary of fantasy. Yeah. It's it's wild, but like a really <laughs> dull documentary, but not really? a David Attenborough document, documentary. No, just, no, 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 no. This is this is. Yeah, this is like a how it's made kind of like it's yeah. just like a we're going to show you some pictures and while well, I give you a narration. <laughs> Funny enough, I think that's that's also instinctively how I've depicted deities in my own games. Mm. When they pop up, they're usually people with personalities mm. who have and it's, it's the same thing with the spirits in in um in Wagadu where whenever they show up, they're usually mm. like they're they're a person. You may have like these these forces that exist even above them that are like so powerful that they you can't even comprehend them so the idea of them having like a singular personality is kind of ridiculous because they are so expansive that yes. it's like their personality encompasses all kinds of things mm-hmm. but for like somebody for just a dude who's tossing lightning bolts um it makes sense that this dude would have a personality <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I actually then would be interested to toss out to you, Unati, oh. just because, like, uh, you know, we touched Lunati on it a bit Uyanda. in the uh, <laughs> uh, in the newest um, Liao. Oh Lord, here we go. Very good. <laughs> very good, very uh, good. In the yeah. uh, campaign setting that we did, yeah. You know, um, and I, I'm just generally interested, like, what's your take on that question in the sense that, like, uh, with you know, because um, I, I, I don't have a reference point for sort of African. Yeah, well, uh, I, I suppose like for for me, uh, for, for well, for Mvekana, like because um, Umbringanga or um, Usomandla, um, and then in different names across all the Nguni languages, is kind of like an overarching, like uh, god type energy, omniscient, omnipotent energy, mm-hmm. and then there are all the I would, you wouldn't even call them lower gods. They just handle different facets of things. Sure. Um, like different part, you know, you don't want to go to, you know, Uso Mandla with all of your things. You then, mm-hmm. there's another guy you talk to if you want to talk about the harvest. It's different right? departments. Yeah, there's different, right? like, there's in different the, offices. Like, in, the, in the home office of... Um, similar yeah. to Greek, similar yeah. to like the Greek yeah. pantheon yeah. or like the Hindu pantheon, I think. Yeah, yeah. but then also... 
another major part of that, like you, you wouldn't even necessarily go out and, and pray to the goddess of, or, or, or God of harvest. You would go to your ancestors. You go to the, mo- the, the, the most recent ancestor to cross over and ask mm. them to send the message. And then they send it all the way down the line. So like mm. you are also godlike. It gets weird in that, like, there's yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. you kind of just return back to nature or return back to the alpha and omega, like, you return back to like life essence, um, mm. in, in sort of southern African cultures. So you become part of Usomandla again. Do you know what I mean? So mm. when, when I kind when my players are interacting with gods, they're very much talking to them either through their ancestors, like, an ancestor will bring them a message. Or when they are communicating directly to them, it is absolutely more of a feeling. It's they're they're swept up into a place that they do not comprehend, and it is more of a feeling, or mm. it exists sort of in nature. But their but their but their own internal nature, their own internal moral barometers are not dictated by the gods at all. The gods couldn't be asked yeah. about that. Well, well, I think I think that's that's what it is. Then for me, it's just like when when we are approaching things like gods, it is the language probably needs to change in that respect because i think unless you're dealing with the omniscient omnipotent version of god or a god or a collection of gods who have mm. this ability you can't deal in absolutes mm. i think it becomes very difficult to deal in absolutes yes, yeah. if you're dealing with anyone below that like a grumsh or a whatever mm. then it's it, you know it, it, it's like you said jeremy it's personality it's it's interpretation it's like um and i think that's where it gets a bit then like sticky being like oh you're a paladin therefore you cannot believe anything other than this particular path that you're on people who think that i'm like have you i mean maybe they've only met a couple religious people but there's a whole swath of religious people even if you read the bible just the sheer spectrum of people who got power from god uh just a whole range like on some on one end you may have somebody like elisha or but uh, who's like gets called up to heaven in a chariot at the end doesn't even die Fully, or excuse me, Elisha, that wasn't Elisha. Elijah gets called up to heaven in a chariot. Yeah. Elisha was just there with him. But then you also have somebody like Samson, who's just a bad guy. He's just a, frankly a bad person, a very, very bad person, but also kept getting incredible power from God because he happened to have been chosen and kept a couple of rules. But like, or you have Moses, who was mostly good, but also was super reluctant and then ended up not even getting to go to the promised land because he got real mad one time and hit a rock instead of doing what God actually wanted him to do Mm. uh, and different things. Like you have like a a whole range of personalities Mm. and each of these people could be considered, if you're going to try and translate them into D&D language, clerics or paladins of various types. Mm. But Mm. none of them are like... They're not the lawful, stupid paladin that you always hear about yeah. in D and D games. Yeah. It's like a very limited understanding of how belief actually works in mm. people, how it manifests. Yeah. But then I think that then that is you know partly uh, to do with uh, the fact that trying a trying to introduce those ideas to a game that has been created by people over the course of like five years, maybe versus like religions which have been established over thousands of years. It's just like it's just hard to get that level of detail in which is kind of why yeah. i think that you know as in and i think that's the reason why we get this sort of very like 
um, archetypal, uh, depiction. archetypal yeah. depictions of these things is because it, it is kind of baked into the way that paladins are described, clerics are described. You know, you think about a cleric and you have to scroll, you know, you have to scroll through and now we're kind of getting through and as more of the UA stuff becomes yeah. like official. We're like, oh, okay, there's some clerics which are clearly not just like straight up good people. But even then, they're kind of baked into the subclasses. You yeah. know what I mean? There are some subclasses where you kind of feel like, oh, I can be a bad or a naughty cleric, you know, here, yeah. but I can't <laughs> if I play this. So do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it feels weird to play like, what is it like a life dominion cleric yeah. and and not be like, you know, all things are sacred and I must do, like, I must love life, you know? Yeah, no, because um, I've got a cleric in my game now and, he, well, they were originally a warlock and they then want, they didn't like playing a warlock anymore. So I played out that class and then they were reborn as a death domain cleric. And their ancestors gave them that power. So they were like, they're constantly shouted by them. Mm. Um, and it, it was like, now I have to like rethink how that cleric kind of works in terms of like which deity they want. Um, my, my party member wants to go for because mm. death is also interpreted completely differently in African cultures. Mm. So, um, and, and what that relationship means and what is and what is considered just in terms of doling out death as well. So it's just I, like I, every time I'm looking at it, I'm kind of going, oh, that's not quite enough. I have to go and rewrite that. Sorry. <laughs> like, mm, thank, mm, thank you for mm, that. But that's mm. not quite enough. I have to make that clearer. Otherwise, we're going to get into really murky waters in this game. Um, mm. when we when we when we try and make things work and balance things out um, throughout the game and um, throughout the campaign. Sorry, rather. So it's. Yeah, I just, I just say, you know, if it's not enough, just flesh it out. I think, right more. I think, uh, as we're having, as we're having this conversation, I think that what it's, what it's maybe uh, sort of saying to me or, or making me think is that perhaps that the, that perhaps it's like it's almost like too hard to incorporate within like a book that is that needs to have a finishing number of pages. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, a, 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 you know, needs to end at some point. A version of Dungeons and Dragons which caters for like. Uh, not necessarily caters for everyone, but has, but uh, but what I because I think that's impossible. But what I think maybe is the the alternative. What is what could be the you know the five point five e or the um or sixth edition or whatever it is they were decided to do is creating a better framework mm. for then people because a lot of the things that I'm noticing when I go on like DMs Guild is people like heavily rewriting the rules in order to make them more accessible heavily rewriting the way combat works in order to make it more accessible and to make certain races playable in a combat sense versus you know ones yeah, that just with get nerfed classes, all the time yeah or, and classes yeah. as well I, I, that was i guess before tasha's where you could reassign racial bonus etc but right. um and so what i'm saying is it needs to be a less uh rigid framework then which would then allow the community to sort of more easily and more kind of willingly go on and then create settings like Wagadu or you know other such things because even yeah. a setting like Wagadu how much is are we having to change or is you know is mm. having to change in the term fundamentally the way we play the game uh just to make it kind of work mm. do you know what I mean like it's it's it, you know what yeah, would be I, I cool mean, oh. sorry go ahead look sorry go ahead <laughs> you're about to call me Leon <laughs> I was about to say I was about to call you Lunati <laughs> Lunati I mean, I guess I encounter that all the time. I'm constantly changing the rules. Like um, one of my, because there aren't any, um, there aren't really any great 5E um, rules for possession, but one of my big bads had to be. 
and it had to be they had to be possessed in a way that would function in the African understanding of possession. So I just had to fucking make it up. <laughs> like, what's the what's to... the African understanding of possession? So like, so the way that I understand sort of like a judo Christian sort of understandings of like Catholic understanding of possession rather um, is a, a foreign entity, foreign demonic entity enters the body and slowly corrupts the body from the inside, consuming the soul totally. Usually, usually, usually that that's my, correct me if I'm wrong. And uh, it's, it's your body is there. But you're, it's like the sunken place, actually. Yeah, it's yeah, basically yeah. the equivalent sunk, yeah. of get out. Yeah. So you still exist, but like you just can't do anything because some other person is controlling everything around you. Yeah. Typically, I mean, it's at least in the Christian traditions, I think it's pretty exclusively evil entities. Yeah. You never hear about God. You hear about God influencing people. There is yeah. some, like there's in, in the book of Exodus, talks about God hardening pharaoh's heart specifically so pharaoh won't let the children of israel leave yeah because god just really wants to show out uh so like he's like but you don't hear about a full-on possession really until really i guess maybe i think you mainly hear about it in the new testament i don't think you really hear about it much in the old testament yeah i don't even know if there's much of a tradition or belief of of demonic possession in Judaism, it may be yeah. primarily a Christian thing, and I am not Catholic, but my understanding of Catholicism is that they also don't believe that your own soul is like being destroyed. It's just somebody has taken over your body and is controlling it against your will. will. Even yeah. if you invited them in there, yeah. you can't necessarily tell them to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like the Phoenix Force. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Um, I guess, um, I guess, so just from the other side of it, um, just uh, sort of like more the the African approach is that um, there is a foreign entity that has kind of entered your body, but for the most part is kind of working symbiotically with you. That's why you don't even notice that something has like has come upon you until it's far too late. Until virtually nothing can be done about it quote unquote okay so exorcism is impossible yeah well i mean obviously in my game i made it possible but like <laughs> but um until until it's just too late um it's it doesn't sound that different it uh, sounds kind of yeah it sounds kind of similar yeah i mean if you watch obviously the exorcist is not a christian text no but it is not the exorcist yeah. like even in the exorcist it's stuff starts being wrong but you're not really sure what's going on until by the time like by the time we realize something's up She's completely, Lil Reagan's completely out of control. Yeah. And Pazuzu, Pazuzu's in the driver's seat. That sounds similar. Pazuzu. So is it is it considered a bad thing? Yeah, Pazuzu, you never find it out in that movie, but in later movies you find out Pazuzu is the name of the demon that that possesses uh, oh, Reagan. That name is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I can't remember if Pazuzu is a real demon or not. I'm going to look this up. I think uh, there's, there's a, there was a serial killer who um, called himself Pazuzu and started a cult. Oh, no. Pazuzu. Okay, he was in the S. Oh, okay. Here we go. A little little bit of education for any fans of the Exorcist series, of which there are actually two good movies. The second one is awful. Watch The Exorcist Three if you've never. If you like Exorcist One, watch Exorcist Three. It's really good. It's got the best jump scare I've ever seen in a movie in it. 
It's actually really good. Anyway, in the ancient Mesopotamian religion, Pazuzu was the king of the demons of the wind, the brother of Humbaba and son of the god Hanbi. He also represented the southwestern wind, bearer of storms and drought. And that little figure that um, Father – it's not Father Marin uh, – that that I cannot remember – the the, the 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 main exorcist, the old man, mm. played by also I can't for some reason remember the name of that actor. Really good actor in a bunch of great movies. Anyway, um that that figurine he finds, I believe is or the art the artifact that he finds, I think is actually a representation of Pazuzu. Mm. Looking at this because they have a statue on the Wikipedia page for him that looks very similar to the little statuette that the guy found. And I think he finds another larger statue and they have that little stare off mm. at the beginning. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, is it considered an exclusively bad thing in in uh in at least Southern African traditions to be possessed? Well, yes, <laughs> it's, it's not a good thing for um uh, for yourself to be taken over by someone else and somebody who invariably becomes so good at mimicking you that like nobody will ever notice. Oh. Nobody will ever notice that it, that that you're gone. Somebody they just so that you don't gone. usually act out of character. No. Oh, so it's almost like a changeling scenario yeah. where you've just been replaced Place. by somebody. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, yeah, that would be, I'd say, the major difference. Yeah, yeah. The major difference there is in the Christian tradition, it's usually really obvious. <laughs> yeah, like, happens. maybe not at first, <laughs> yeah. but once, once, like, at, there's a point, there's, there's a turning yeah, point at which it's, it's <laughs> Just, now undeniable. Yeah. Uh, there's people walking possessed. up ceilings backwards, there's bodily yeah. fluids. <laughs> I think, actually, this is something we haven't really talked about, but because... Uh, because both of us are black, in mm. this case, you're coming from a South African tradition. Mm. My Christian tradition mm. is heavily influenced by West Indian culture oh, because yeah. my mother was originally born in Jamaica. Yeah. So she has the descendants. Uh, she's like descended from West yeah. African yeah. traditions. Yeah. So I think there's actually a lot more crossover yeah. between us and our understanding of things than there would be between, say, the people that I grew up going to church with. Yeah. Well, this has been. We got to do this uh, again. Very guys. fun. This was awesome. I really enjoyed this. There's, I, honestly, I feel like we just keep, every time we get to this this particular topic, there's so much to die to discuss. Uh, We've been recording for so long. I just realized for so long. So uh, this long. could be like almost two episodes, to be honest. I probably yeah. will be. Yeah. <laughs> um. So thank you so much for listening, Shire Folk, to another episode of Three Black Halflings. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time here. We've enjoyed having you. And I hope you've enjoyed the new music. I might even put it in again. Yes. I think we should put it again. We should put it in yeah, at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. Again. We should put it Oh, but we gotta, we gotta plug our socials. We gotta plug our socials, guys. Oh, yeah. Obviously, you gotta plug the socials. Plug our socials, Jeremy. Yeah. Where can you find right. us? Well, Tell us. Folks, first of all, you already know if you're listening to this that we exist as a podcast. Three Black Halflings. Mm. Available wherever pods are cast. Uh, but we also are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. At TB Halflings. We are also on Patreon. Also TB Halflings. You can also find us on Twitch, where we stream every other week. Uh, Twitch.tv slash TB Halflings. It's TB Halflings pretty much everywhere except for the actual show, which is called Three Black Halflings. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, that's where you can find us. Come and join us. In and all coming next stuff. week, find us on Parlor. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Under at uh, T Halflings. <laughs> no B, just T Halflings. T T W Halflings. T, T, um, <laughs> three white Halflings. <laughs>
Um, it's just gonna be three uh, halflings, yeah, like yeah, that we, one guy said. Why can't it just be three halflings? Yeah, just three halflings. Three halflings. Um, but thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. So long, Shia Folk. So long, Shia Folk.